All right, good morning once again. It is so good to see you, um, and what a wonderful day this has been, and it's going to only get better because we are uh, just continuing to worship in the name of the Lord, and uh, when you came in this morning, I hope you grabbed the name tag, and uh, my daughter added me another one right now, so that's why I have two, and this is, uh, you know, what we like to do. We want to get to know each other's name because names are an important part of who we are, and that's part of identifying ourselves. And that's why we have name tags right here. It says, I should probably add one, Hisashi, because a lot of people know you as me as Hisashi. But, you know, recently it's like Toby. You know, it's kind of like Kobe Bryant changed his uniform to 8 to 24. You know, it's like, I don't know. There was the earlier part. Anyways, I don't know why I even got into that. But, you know, names are really important. Part. I'm not Kobe or anything like that. But it's just been a, a, a just a, a transition in my life where I went to Japan and people began to call me Toby. And I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. And then I came back to America, and I went to a rural part of New York, and they cannot pronounce Hisashi by any stretch of the means. So they start butch. I just said, you know what? I'll just adopt that name, Toby. So that's ever since then as Toby. Anyways, um, you know, whether we realize it or not, you know, we have so many different identities and labels that we wear on ourselves, whether it's in a physical form like a name tag or perhaps even your nationality, American or Japanese. We have passports that identify our California driver's license, different identification. And for you guys, for high school students, college students, you have an ID where you belong to that school. Even employees, they have you know, badges or IDs that we wear. And, you know, that shows our affiliations or whether we belong to a company or an organization or even in a country. And those identity that we have, perhaps this label, it's, it's a right one. It's not wrong. It's precisely what it is. And they also have the right to identify us that way, whether it's an organization or country. Um, in fact, uh, right now, we are bombarded with different types of identification or labels that we have on ourselves. And the, and the problem is sometimes they're, they're not right. And that's the problem because we put even the false identification or labels that we put, whether it's by ourselves or others. And, you know, growing up, people may have called us names. People might have given us a label, whether it is something like or we even put that on ourselves. We call ourselves a failure, loser, not good enough, ugly, stupid. I mean, those are the things that we have all said at one time in our lives, and we, we fall for those things. We think that is an official label to ourselves. And sometimes we feel other people putting on an identification that does not belong to us, but we fall for it, and it hurts. But it, it, like we, the more we feel it, more we identify those things with our, perhaps our accomplishments or what we didn't accomplish. We put on ourselves different labels. Simply, those are not right. But more importantly, they don't have the right to put that on us. And we... In fact, ourselves don't have even the right to put a label on ourselves. You realize that? Then who does? And I know you know the answer, but let's hold that thought. Let's hold that concept because we're going to continue to deep, deep in this question of who am I? And I hope you can answer or question that yourself. Who are you? And another deeper question perhaps is whose am I? Where do we belong? And today we're going to look into the story of the Bible where Jesus was reminded of who he was, his identif 
identity, who he really was. And we're going to look at the story of his baptism today. And it's interesting because we opened up this year, we wanted to go through the book of Luke throughout this year, and it just happened to fall today, is the baptism of Jesus Christ. And what a beautiful day because we are having baptism. It is a chance for us as believers, as Christians, to reflect upon perhaps your baptism and why you believed and why you came to this point. And I hope today as Christians, you are reassured of your identity in Christ. And the thing is, the more you've been, longer you've been a Christian, the more you probably need to be reassured because sometimes being a Christian, it could be just going through the mundane, going through the motion. And is the longer you are being a Christian, it is a great opportunity for us to be reassured of that. And perhaps you're not a Christian. You may just be kind of seeking right now. And I hope today it gives you an opportunity to think who you are your identity, where you belong. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, if you could open to uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and we're looking at chapter 3, and we start from verse 21. Last week, we, Pastor Phil talked about the John the Baptist and how he began his ministry, and people were coming to him to be baptized. And that's where we come into in verse 21 of Luke 3. So if you could look up on the screen for a moment right now, and if we could read this together, let's do that. Here we go. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son who I love with you. I am well pleased. That is, the Luke's, that is Luke's version of the baptism of Jesus. It's an incredible story, and I'm sure you've heard this many times. When you look at the Gospel of Matthew, it provides a little more details of that baptism. So I want to read that to you. This is from Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Baptism is all about repentance of our sins and the representation of the forgiveness that God gives. But we know that Jesus was God, is God and he was sinless. He did not have to be baptized, but he did. In fact, when you read this, he insisted, I have to. You, you do this to me, John. And John's like, whoa, 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 who am I? And of course, that's a natural reaction as a human being. But why did Jesus insist this? Why was he so, like, I have to do this? Well, obviously, the one reason is that he's setting an example for us to follow. So as those who believe in Jesus, we get baptized. I mean, that's what we're going to see today in Daniel's life. And he's doing this, and we are following the example of Jesus, of course. But the deeper concept is that he had to, had to repent for the sins of humanity. Jesus knew at the end of his life, he is representing the sins of humanity. He's going to be on the cross. He knows the mission of his life to die for the sin of humanity. Therefore, he is represent, rep, representing you and I at that moment to be baptized, repenting of the sins of humanity. And you know, this right here is kind of like his inauguration speech, or he didn't give a speech, but you know, before he goes into this public ministry of his, Jesus 
is getting baptized. This is the beginning of his three years of real, true ministry that affected every single one of us. And 30, at the age of 30, is a very important age for a Hebrew culture. For example, if you think of Joseph back in the day of Egypt, it was his 30 years old, he became this public figure, and he became the prime minister, and it was the age 30. King David, age 30, was an important year for him to be this public minister, a public figure, and for the people representing representing people. And that is Jesus is beginning to do his ministry in a public way. And as Jesus prayed, something incredible, extraordinary took place, right? I mean, you, you heard this, but I almost imagine like, you know, heaven or the, the sky is just like ripped and open and like the father like peeks in and says, my son, I love you. Who are you? I am well pleased. I mean, this, this extraordinary emotion that could not be contained by heavenly father and the holy spirit came in the form of a dove and this triune god the trinity of god is like represented in this scene not just this beautiful scene but i always wondered like why this emotion like why this this incredible thing that like just just out of the ordinary just god presenting himself and sharing his emotion to his son I wanted to ask you, how many of you have ever sent off your kid or your child to college? Some of you, okay? Some of you more rather recent. And, you know, I was thinking, and myself, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, my daughter is nine, and uh, my son is six. We're having another one later this year. And we haven't had that experience, but we did have this first day of school moment where, you know, you're taking pictures, says, my first day of school, and then, you know, you're sending off, and, you know, you, you, in the first day, you get to go in the class with them, right? So you're with them, and it's like, but you have to leave at a certain point. It's like, okay, bye. And, you know, some, some, there's this anxiety and fear, and, you know, because you know you're throwing in into the, you know, the real world, well, kindergarten, I don't know about that, but, you know, it, but, but, you know, you, you know what I mean, and, and as, as a father, as a mother, you, you, you know, and especially, I asked you to raise your hand for a college send-off, because you know, as a parent, things will never be the same, well, sometimes they come back, right, it's called the boomerang effect or something, and I, I did that myself, so I shouldn't complain, but, you know, but, but, you know, as, as a parent, you know that this is kind of a point of no return, I mean, maybe not college, but if they're going off to work in a different country or a different county, you know that it's just never going to be the same, and as a heavenly father, I think that moment was this ultimate send-off of his son, I mean, you, you imagine, you recall this couple chapters ago, we talked about Jesus being born in a manger, and, and that was pretty, and his life was in danger because of King Herod's jealousy and all that. But for the most part, for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he was living with his Mama Mary and Papa Joseph, and as a, as a, as a, you know, working as a carpenter, and for 30 years, it almost was pretty safe. But now... It's the real world that is awaiting this, in, in, in this journey that Jesus is being sent off to. God knows, the Heavenly Father knows it's going to be brutal. And He also knows the ending of this story. It's going to be extraordinary. Uh, it's, it's hurtful because He knows the crucifixion had to take place. 
So this emotion is rising in Heavenly Father, and He knows that this next, next three, three years, people will call Him names. And it's going to be misunderstanding. People will be mocking Him. And actually, not just the next three days, or three years, but even till now, the name of Jesus misunderstood. People call Him names and different misunderstanding. I mean, God knows that from that point on, it's not going to be the same. And right, in fact, right after Jesus, this, this story in chapter 4 of Luke, we know that he's being tempted by Satan for 40 days, and, and Satan trying to give him false identity, false label. I mean, this is happening right after this baptism of Jesus. His public ministry begins from that point forward. Before all that take place, the father reassures his son, you are mine. Don't you forget. I love you and you, I am well pleased. That is your identity moving forward. Please be reassured of that. That was Heavenly's father heart. And you know, God knows you. God knows the world that you live in. God knows the challenges we face in this world, bombarded with all these false labels, the identities that is just not right. And he wants you to know the same message he gave Jesus that very day, that identity in him, that we belong to him. And we, with the same passion and emotion, that is the message of our Heavenly Father to you, each and every one of us. So who am I? Can you say that I am yours, God. I am forever yours, God. Can we say that and declare that today, just like Danny just did earlier today? Is that your declaration as well? That you are forever his, forever yours, oh God. Could that be your statement today? Or is there hesitancy? It's like, um, I don't know. Or maybe I'm not sure. Because if so, Please be reassured of your identity in Jesus Christ right now. And if you have never put your trust in him, then this could be the day where you say, I am all yours. It could be a life-changing moment because that, where we identify ourselves, where do we belong, that changes everything. And I hope we could all say that I am yours, oh God. Looking at verse 23, it says, Now Jesus himself was about... 30 years old when he began his ministry. This is the beginning of this next three years. And he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Ali. And it goes on. And Luke st starts to write out the genealogy of Jesus, which is a little bit different from Matthew's account. And Luke points out that it all the way goes back to Adam and then God... Um, and the significance of that is that Jesus, through the lineage of men, it belongs to God. It all starts out with God. And the, and the point of this genealogy, it's really interesting, and I hope there's a chance where you could really kind of get to know all these names, but it is the point isn't to be perfect or to be perfectly consistent or aligned with Luke and Matthew. Why is it wrong? Why is it different? And not, that's not the point. It is to remind us that Jesus came from this physical lineage of men, not just be conceived by Mary, by the Holy Spirit, but this, this humanity of Jesus does exist, that it comes back to the Heavenly Father God, David, and Jacob, and Isaac, and Abraham, and, and Noah, and Enoch, and Seth, 
and Adam and goes back to the Father, the Creator. And that those names that we mentioned, those are like the heavy hitters, you know, of Bible. I mean, we know those names, and those are significant people. But the names that are on here by Luke, those are names that are not easily recognized. In fact, I don't know some of these names, and maybe you have trouble. Like, who is this guy? What did he do, or what did she do? I mean, these are in the lineage, in the genealogy. But don't you think it is so incredible that in the line of Adam, this, this faith in God survived the dark days of Israel when people were leaning into idolatry and different nations, but this lineage was kept alive, that it did not snip out. I mean, it's incredible that we look at this genealogy, how it has survived this darkness of human history. But the important thing that we want to know and we want to take home is this passing down the faith in Jesus is important because every single one of that is necessary just like every single one in jesus genealogy was necessary and now i want to turn this back to us to you someone shared jesus with you right without that person maybe there are several people but without one missing you will not be here today you realize that it will not happen Because just like every little name was important in that genealogy, every person in your life and whoever they heard that from is important in you forming your faith and to be here today. Every conversation, every coffee you had, every meal you had together, each prayer that they gave for you, and maybe perhaps their parents and their, I mean, every one of them is important. The letter that they wrote to you, or perhaps email, or a physical written card, which is rare these days, every single one was important for you to form your faith today in Jesus. And if any of them, one was missing, you will not be here today. Do you realize the grace of God in that? Do you realize the miracle of God in that? I mean, in, 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 in reality, in this, our spiritual reality, we all are miracle babies, don't you think? Because this miracle is not, it's just God's miracle to reach you with the gospel of Jesus. And one day, someday, somehow you received that message and you decided to follow Jesus. And the crazy awesome thing this morning that I'm so stoked is that when we trace back our faith, when somebody shared and somebody shared, and all these we trace back and it reaches Jesus Christ. It happened from him to the apostles, to the whoever they shared, whoever they shared, and the gospel message reached Japan or, or other Hawaii or other areas of the world, and now you have received that. And then we today get to share the same identity that we have with Jesus Christ as sons and daughters of the Almighty God. John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen? Verse 13, children born not of natural descent nor human decision or husband's will, but born of God hands of God is all over your story. Someone overflowed into your life because they met Jesus and they had to share that with you. Going out of their way, taking their time, waiting patiently, some more than others, you know, and and, and speaking the truth in you, sometimes challenging you, and they prayed like crazy, didn't they? 
Perhaps that was your parent, maybe a sibling of yours, a good, good friend or a neighbor, maybe Sunday school teacher or your pastor growing up. They took the time to overflow into your life. Thank God for them. You can say that, thank God for them. I mean, you can say, thank you, God, and because they are important piece of your faith today. And for me, this, it was this person named Keiko who overflowed into me, and some of you know her. She's, uh, she was growing up, we, I was here at Orange Coast. She went to South Bay, or today it's Anchor South Bay, and she was eight years older than me, and she took the time to spend time with me. And because especially when the time of my teenage days when I was completely lost. I mean, I, I, I liked the church. Well, mm, I didn't like the church, you know, but I liked the people. I'm like, and no offense to all, some of you here because I, I liked you guys. You know, you're, I knew you guys were good people, but I, at that time, I just wasn't having it. You know, I was like, I don't know about this whole God thing. But, you know, that's when, you know. At, at that moment, especially in a Japanese-speaking congregation, there was no mentor. There was nobody older than me, so I was kind of left alone. So Keiko from another church saw me. I was alone, and she reached out to me. She wrote to me, and she says, you know, be encouraged. And then when I, at the age where I was able to go out, she would take me out to, to these Christian events. Well, first of all, she tricked me because she said, all right, let's ta- I'll take you out to lunch or take you out to dinner, and you can eat whatever you want. And then, okay, I'm like, okay, I'll go with you, whatever. And then I eat. And now I'm on full, and she's like, "Now we're gonna, I'm gonna take you to this Christian event." I'm like, "Bait and switch, okay, all right, all right." But you know, I realized, but but everything was important because I fell for it, and I did go to it. And at one of these meetings, I was like, "Man, God is for real." I mean, I mean, it was those moments, lots of prayer, lots of free food, and, but you know, but but it was all necessary for me to know that I was loved by God. She encouraged me, and she says, you know, there's, I know right now there's nobody at church for you, but I, I'm praying for you, and she's writing this to me every single month or so, and I'm getting this card, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I didn't even want to look at it, but, but it was real, and every single one was important, and I'm forever thankful for this woman of God. And I can still remember the day of my ordination, she was the one who gave the speech for me, and, and it was this most beautiful moment um, that and um, knowing all that, it's my time. It's my turn to overflow into the lives of others. I, I, I desire to pour into the next generations of this church. I have some, my eyes set on some people. It's like, I feel like they, like, they maybe have a pastoral gift and I want to mentor. You know, that, it's my turn to overflow. And you, too, experience the overflow from by someone else. They, they took the time. They poured into you. They prayed for you. Now it is, of course, your turn as well to overflow with the love of Jesus Christ. We have to make sure that this faith does not stop with us. You agree with that? Yeah. Because this world, there's people bombarded with false identities and labels, and they are confused, just like how I was when I was a teenager. Were, and it's all over. And today, we have this crazy self-image problem here in this world, don't you think? I mean, please, I mean, you see, you know, some of you are on social media, and you see great, wonderful pictures, and people are, are living the life, and it's like this nice cup of coffee. And, you know, you get this image, but, but don't be fooled by those things because those are on the surface level. 
And you know, I, I just just even a little study on this, I realized, okay, so seven out of ten girls, young girls in this world, they believe they're not good enough. Or they don't live up to or measure up to the expectations of the world. Seventy percent of them have a, a very negative view of themselves because of the labels that they've been bombarded with. Depression in young lives, it's all-time high. And it's, it's so much greater than a couple years, a couple decades ago. And, and in social media may have something to do with it. I mean, it's, it's happening, and we have this real problem right now in this world that we live in. Not just young people, but every single generation. Many will do whatever it takes to look or to feel good just on the surface. That's all they care about. That's all maybe that matters because that's what other people see. And they will go to whoever that will let them hear what they want to hear. It can, it, maybe it's not the truth. Or just to escape reality for a moment or so. So, they, so we fall into relationship and we're taking advantage of. Perhaps we run to, to other addictions, alcohol and drugs just to feel good at that particular moment because it's it's it can't handle all the different labels that are being placed on us if we don't know who we really are if you cannot answer the i who am i question then we will go to these labels and the false identities that this world offers or perhaps you put on yourself. But again, going back to the first question, who has the right to place a label or identity in our lives? Who has the right? It's the one who made us. It's the one who owned us. And we're not, we're none of that. We don't own ourselves. We didn't make ourselves. Certainly the world didn't make us. They don't own us. Only God. Only God, our maker, the one who created us, and the one who purchased us back because we were once owned by sin. We were once owned by death. But Jesus was the price that God paid to purchase you back. So now God is the owner. So who am I? I have a short video to close this time out so if you could watch this together who am I am I what I do an artist an accountant a teacher a mother or am I what I've achieved an honor student an MVP a winner Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me His masterpiece. I am loved by God. 
He says, I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? You are a masterpiece, holy, blameless, chosen, made complete, restored, loved, and on and on. And is that something you could declare right now? Or are you feeling low? Are you feeling you're not good enough? Well, please erase all those and put those labels off and make sure you have the true identity in Jesus Christ. He came down to rescue you and I, and he set us free. And I and we are forever God's, forever yours. And that is our declaration. After all, the one who overflowed the most, Jesus himself. That's the one who is with you today and forever. And now it is our turn to overflow. So many people are wearing these unbearable labels and identities that is not true. Now, let us overflow. But before we do, before we get to do that, the first action or first step that we all must take is this. Are you ready for this? You and I have to make sure you know who you are. Who am I? Whose am I? Where do we belong? Because if you cannot answer that question, you will not overflow. Well, you can, but you're going to overflow with your junk. See, we have to make sure that we are, you know that we are redeemed right now, right here by the blood of Jesus Christ. So please take that with you. Then, and only then, let's take the next step of overflowing into someone's life to remind them how God sees them or how God wants them to see them. Can we do that together? Weekly challenge right here. If you could take out your phones, take a picture of this, take it home with you, and I hope you take this hopefully, seriously, not even hopefully, do it, right? No, let's read Jesus, the story of Jesus' baptism from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what did the Heavenly Father say to him? Do you share the same identity with him? Because that's the most important question. And if so, how assured are you? Are you fully bought in? Or if not, you have to ask the hard question, why not? What's holding you from having that identity in you right now? And then know, I'm sorry, the grow, who have helped you find your faith in Christ? How and why were they so inspirational or instrumental? For me, it was a lady named Keiko who took the time. How about you? And may you receive or remember that. And now, ready to overflow. Who is the one person you want to make sure they know that they are God's beloved child? Overflow into their lives this week. Spend time with them. Have coffee with them. Take them out to lunch or dinner. And then take them to another Christian event, okay? <laughs> but pray for them. Spend time with them. Overflow with them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for what you have done through Jesus Christ in giving us what was his. And now we have the identity in Christ. We are the beloved child of God, the sons and daughters of the Almighty. And, and, and we are so amazed that we could say that right now. God, I ask that you would reassure us of who we are in you and not 
anything else, what everybody else say, or what even we say about ourselves, or what our company say, or what others say about ourselves. Well, those might be true, but most important identity, the foundational identity that we must adopt right now, right here, is that we are your beloved child of God, blameless in your sight, for that is what Jesus has done that took our sins away. So with repentance, we come to you. Repentance for falling for the other labels that have controlled us. We come to you with our true identity, reminding us of who we are and how you see us. And and Daniel, who's getting baptized right here after this, may you continue to remind him of this very day where heaven opened up and says, I love you, you are mine, and I am well pleased of you. May that be a reassurance for every single one who have trusted, trust, made the trust, put our trust in you, oh Lord Jesus. We thank you for this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.